Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you ultimate control. With the XFi app, you can pause the Wi-Fi at the push of a button. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello and welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm your host, Russell Hartman. This week I am joined by Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief, Zach Chigger, and Forever Blue Shirts writer, Mr. Kevin Krupe. How you guys doing? What's up, boys? What's going on? Hey guys, so a lot of recent news going on, well I guess not news, but I guess the rumor mill is on fire recently, and two names specifically have been jumping out at everybody, and that is Artemi Panarin of the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars. We'll have two pieces on both of them going up uh, later this week, one written by me, one written by Forever Blue Shirts writer uh, Luca, and uh, we're going to discuss right now which of the two we'd rather have on the New York Rangers. Uh I'm going to go last here. I have a very, very strong opinion on this one. Kevin, uh, we'll start with you. Who do you think is the better fit for the New York Rangers, Artemi Panarin or Tyler Sagan? Now, if we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about it two ways. It's going to either be are we getting them during the season or are we getting them off-season. So I'm going to go about the off-season route and signing them during the free agency so we have to give up anything. So mm-hmm. I think the better and the smarter choice is Artemi Panarin. And it's only because he's a pure goal scorer. You know, he, he, there's been rumors saying he wants to come to the Rangers. He says he's not a good fit in Columbus anymore. And he wants to go to a team that has history like the Rangers do. And it just makes more sense because the Rangers have a crazy depth at center. They have Leas Anderson. They have Brett Howden. They have uh, Philip Hedl. And don't forget about Mika Zibanejad uh, and Kevin Hayes. And that's just people off the top of my head right now. So adding Tyler Sagan means a lot of those centers don't get playing time or they're going to be playing a position that they're not comfortable with. So it seems like throwing money at something just because you want a top-line proven center instead of waiting it out the way you need to. So Artemi Panarin seems like that get, you know, that winger. You know, he's, that, he's, he's got, you know, Russian connections, you know. <laughs> so, you know, he'll fit in well with the Rangers next season where Tyler Sagan, he might not want to come for a rebuild. He might just be unhappy because it's a contract dispute right now. And, Zach, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it. Oh, I, I mean, you make some valid points, Kevin. I definitely think that Artemi Panarin is a natural goal scorer, although you can, you, I think it's uh, – you can't say the same thing about Tyler Sagan, but I will, as I said, I digress. I'll go last year. Zach, what are your thoughts? Do you like Artemi Panarin wearing blue or Tyler Sagan wearing blue more? 
Well, in a perfect world, I'd like both of them wearing blue. But uh, if we're only getting one, so I was kind of back and forth on this. My thought originally was Panarin, um, for the same reasons that Kevin laid out. He's a pure goal scorer. He has the Russian connection. So guys like Buchnevich and Nemesnikov um, and other and the other Russians already on the Rangers, he would be a good fit. Um, but have you thought about it a little bit more? I'm leaning towards Tyler Sagan, and here's why. Number one, he put up uh, nearly a point in a game last season with the Stars, um, putting up 78 in, in 82 games. So he, so he's durable. He plays in every game. Um, 40 of those 78 were goals, so he's pretty balanced when it comes to goal scoring and assists. Uh, the other thing is is how it would affect the rest of the lineup. So when you take out, if, not take out, but when you put in Panarin on the Rangers, so you're moving down uh, either Kreider or Buchnevich to the second line to play with Zook, and then your bottom six would still contain uh, Spooner and Foss and and uh, Vinny Letary and who am I forgetting here? The bot- In other words, the bottom six wouldn't really get impacted as much as it would if you got Tyler Sagan because if you bring in Sagan, you're bringing in a bona fide number one center. And the knock on the Rangers the last couple of years has been when healthy, Mika Zibanejad is still not a pure number one center. He's a 1A to Kevin Hayes' 1B. And I think that if you bring in Sagan, you're getting the same production from the middle of the ice. He's a bigger guy, 6'1", almost 200, pe- 6'1", 200 pounds. He's a right-handed child like Zibanejad, so he can play um, on that off-wing on the power play as well. So it gives you better depth for that. But then if you, if you just want to talk down the middle, you're talking about, excuse me, you're talking about um, Sagan, Zibanejad, Anderson, and Heedle, let's say, as your four centers. And then you have no problem moving Hayes to a wing with either Anderson or Heedle that if they need a spell when they're struggling, you could put Hayes in there and bump the other one out to the wing, and you're not losing anything um, up to the middle. If you bring in Panarin, you're still going to have the same um, issues up the middle where you have Anderson and Heedle and Howden and Bunievas, who's going to be trying to make a push at the roster this year. You still have those four guys, along with Spooner and Nemesnikov, who are you know, all fighting for those bottom two roles uh, up the middle, so to speak. Whereas, um, and if you bring in Panarin, that's not changing. If you bring in Sagan, you're drastically changing the outlook of uh, your center depth, you drastically improve that. He's a guy that uh, has been clutch in the postseason when he was with the Bruins. Um, so there's really no downside either way. I would much prefer Sagan, uh, given the choice. Well, if you know me, this is a no-brainer for me, too. And no disrespect to Artemi Panarin here. I think Artemi Panarin is a fantastic player. We've seen he can play on his own. He quieted all the naysayers uh, that said he just got all those points because of Patrick Kane, and the guy dazzles with his skills. But at the end of the day, 
You need a dominant number one center iceman to win the Stanley Cup in the National Hockey League. I re- I, my piece on Tyler Sagan will be going up this week. Uh, and if you look back uh, the last decade at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup, Eric Stahl, Ryan Getzlaff, uh, Andrzej Kopitar, Jonathan Taves, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin, Patrice Bergeron, and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Okay, Alexander Ovechkin didn't sniff the Stanley Cup until Evgeny Kuznetsov came into his own and became that dominant number one center for the Washington Capitals. Now, there is a logjam at the center rights position, especially if they sign Tyler Sagan uh, next summer. Uh, But, you know, you need to make these kinds of moves if they present themselves to you. Uh, The Rangers have nobody close to this kind of skill uh, down the center center ice for them. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, as Zach said, even when healthy, Mika Zibanejad is not a number one center. Kevin Hayes is not a number one center. Filipito maybe might be a number one center. Leah Anderson might be a number one center, but we don't know, and we don't know how long it'll take them to hit that kind of status in their play. The Rangers seem that they want to give Henrik Lundqvist one more shot at glory, and the best way to do that is to get someone like Tyler Sagan. Let me be perfectly clear here. 2010, the debate was really strong about who to take first overall, uh, Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan. Uh, Taylor Hall's an MVP. Tyler Sagan, the numbers he's put up since the trade to Dallas have been exactly what you want out of your top-line center iceman. As Zach said, you know, the guy is a lock for 30 goals, 40 assists, and I definitely believe that he can hit 80, 90 points in the right situation. Um a winger does not control his play as much as a center iceman does. A center iceman has more responsibility on a team. A center iceman does more things on the ice in general. A center iceman will be leaned upon to win faceoffs. A center iceman will be leaned upon to make those plays. A winger does not control the play as much as a center iceman can. And I think if there is, if there is a choice between the two, Jeff Gordon needs to take a look at his team see that there is help on the wings coming, and especially with someone like Vitaly Kravtsov in the waiting, guys like Buchnevich and Chris Kreider, uh, Matt Zuccarello, uh, Nemesnikov, Spooner, there is help on the wings. Okay? And if you, uh, back to the Pittsburgh Penguins as an example, uh, the debate for a long time was uh, we need someone to play with Sidney Crosby. We need someone to play to with Evgeny Malkin. But if you get those guys – Look what having a good center ice can do. Guys like Connor Sheary will jump in. Free agents will jump in. And those guys make the people on their line and on their shift better overall. So as good as Artemi Panarin is, Tyler Sagan is a different beast. He's proven he can drive a line. He's proven he can take over a game. And is the playoff success there? No, not yet. And neither is the playoff. Uh, actually, there is playoff success there. Tyler Sagan has a Stanley Cup. He knows how to get back there. Granted, he was a rookie at the time. But he still has a Stanley Cup, and he's been to the mountaintop and knows what it takes to get there. Artemi Panarin has not. So you're getting a number one center. You're getting someone who knows how to win a cup, who's been on a cup-winning team, learned from guys like Patrice Bergeron, Jason Spezza, and veterans along the way. And I think he would be the perfect fit. Now, is the money going to be kind of high? Sure. $10 million a year, seven years is a lot of money to give to one player. But is he, is he worth it? absolutely worth it in my opinion he is a dominant athlete now we ran a poll earlier today on a forever blue shirts and uh it seems most of you disagree with me and zach and it seems a lot of you uh, think artemi panarin would be the better fit and you know what you guys are not wrong 
there is absolutely a case to be made for Artemi Panarin as well. So either one, you honestly can't go wrong, but I think the better fit would be Tyler Sagan. Moving the, on. The other, thi- the other thing before we move on, Russ, is, you know, part of, and I think uh, you mentioned it, is the whole face-off thing. Uh, Tyler Sagan last year won over half of his face-offs, something mm-hmm. which, uh, if we look at the Rangers here quickly on NHL.com, the Rangers were 20th in the league at under at 49.3%. So when you're talking about a guy who can control the flow of the game and winning face-offs and being in the game in late situations where you'll have Jesper Fostad on the wing and you'll have um, Chris Kreider out on the wing, you still need that guy in the middle to win the face-off so that your defense can clear the puck. So as much as the goal scoring is important, because we all know that you can't win if you don't score. You also can't win if you don't have the puck. So winning face-offs and being able to start your shift the right way is, is tantamount to having uh, a successful team. Exactly. The more you control the puck, the more you don't need to defend the puck. If you have it, you can create chances, you can create opportunities in the offensive zone. And you want someone that's good in possession, and possession starts at the face-off dot. Um, Simple. I think it's pretty simple. If you have the choice between the number number one winger and number one center, you pick the number one center every time. Uh, Moving on here, uh, the Rangers are going to be very in flux this season. We're going to have a lot of roster turnover, a lot of young guys vying for some spots on the team. Uh, Earlier this week, we did did a few uh, pieces on uh, what surprise forwards and surprise defensemen could possibly make the team out of camp. Uh, I guess give one guy each here. Uh, My surprise guy... Uh, who I really think could make a hard push for uh, a full-time spot is Libor Hayek. I think Libor Hayek has all the tools to be a successful top four defenseman in this league. I think you have to look at the work uh, he's done in juniors. I think you need to look at the kid's attitude. And I think ultimately you need to see that a kid like that uh, will have uh, a better, even if he has mistakes, he'd have a better chance at performing well this season over someone like a Mark Stahl or a Brendan Smith which I know those guys are going to have to be in the lineup at some point, but you always want the young kids, especially on the rebuild, to get big minutes. And even over Frederick Clayson, I, I, I want young kids in this lineup, and Libor Hayek seems to have the right attitude here. I'd love for him to be in a top-four role this season. Uh, you know, I just don't think uh, he would he would perform worse than Mark Stahl or uh, Brendan Smith would, and I think there's a lot of upside with him to uh, possibly be maybe even a top-two guy somewhere down the road. Kevin, what do you think? Who's one guy out of the rookies this year who you think can make the team? Oh, out of the rookies. Okay, I was gonna. I was actually gonna say Brendan Spitz was actually gonna make a strong case for himself. Um, I'm gonna say Vinny Lettieri. I think uh, he's just that he's been that player. He's up and down this season, and he's shown that he can play those bottom minutes that you really those gritty minutes, and he can score. So I think he's got a good case to really make the team as someone that the, the, the coaching staff can rely on, someone that they've seen play, you know, just regular NHL games, not high-pressure games, but just regular NHL games. And, you know, he knows what it's like to be on the ice in Madison Square Garden. So we're going we're gonna to see him, and we're gonna, he might go up and down again, but he's definitely going to be there in the beginning of the season just, be like, just because of his, you know, presence already from, you know, last season. So, you know, I liked watching him. I liked watching him on both levels. 
Uh, I think he's definitely going to be that bottom six guy that is going to be valuable to a team, especially in a playoff push come two, three years down the line, which might be a good trade chip, or the Rangers might keep him. But he's definitely going to show that he has the talent and he has, you know, a, a way to, you know, kill penalties, you know, jump in on the rush when he needs to score when they're really needing, like, that kind of gritty goal. And Vinny Lettieri is that guy. It's just, you know, the size just isn't, isn't there as much as, you know, you'd hope for a bottom six kind of forward. But, you know, we might see something like a Jesper Fast kind of thing where, you know, he plays good defense, but he could score when you need him to score. And finally, Zach, who's your one surprise rookie that can make the team out of camp? So I agree with Kevin on Vinny Lettieri. I really like his game. Um, but for the sake of um, argument, so to speak, so Booney Evans isn't really a rookie, um, but he's another guy that would be good on the fourth line. He's solid in his own end. Um, and can play both center and wing. And then the other player is Brett Howden, who the Rangers got with uh, Libor Hayek and the McDonough deal. He said all the right things at development camp. He's got a lot of size. He played a huge role in the OHL uh, with the team that I'm currently forgetting. Um, and he's he seems to be very driven to show the Tampa Bay Lightning that they made a mistake in trading him. So, again, for all four of these players, um, there's really, if any of them make the team, um, it would be fantastic. But, again, as you said, Russ, and uh, Kevin, as you repeated, there's, there isn't going to be much of a set roster this season other than the veterans. It's going to be a lot of up and down, a lot of trying to figure out what works for David Quinn. So uh, we will see what happens. But I think uh, we're in a good spot with all four of those guys. Oh, yeah. So uh, training camp starts in just a few weeks, and we're going to see these battles start to take place, and it's going to be a really exciting time. I mean, I just can't wait for hockey to be back. I mean, God, it was, it's been a long time since we weren't in the playoff tournament, and it felt weird to have the playoffs without the New York Rangers. So moving on here to our uh, third topic of the day, is the Central Division of the National Hockey League. Uh, this has some powerhouse teams. Um, so, God, where do we start? I guess we'll start with the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars are uh, probably my second favorite team besides the New York Rangers. I love the style. I love the players. Um, Tyler Sagan especially. Jamie Benn's another guy. Um, I think that they will hopefully make some noise this season. Uh, I think that their new coach in Jim Montgomery is going to – uh, do wonders for them. Let them be a little more freewheeling and Ken Hitchcock let them be last season. Although those lessons they learned from Ken Hitchcock will help them on the defensive side of the puck a lot more. Um, they picked in the first round this year, Ty Delandria, a center from the Flint Firebirds. Uh, he was the best player on a terrible team. So look for him to do, uh, have another great season. And I would love, I just can't wait to see what that kid does when he's surrounded by uh, actual uh, solid, solid talents. Uh, what do you guys think about the Dallas Stars? Do you think they're a team that can make noise? Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, <laughs> um, look, Dallas always has a presence. They always have a good offense. And um, the only problem is their goaltending is always a little up in the air. You know, you guys had, what, three, four different goaltenders in the past two years. You had Miami. You had um, – I'm losing I'm, blanking on the rest of them, but all I remember is the, the fall from Grace. Yeah, Lettinen, 
It's just, you know, you guys have goaltenders that show flashes of brilliance, but then they show flashes of just utter and utter disappointment. So it, I think the problem with Dallas is just really having that solid goaltender in their back. Uh, Tyler Sagan's one of a kind. You really can't get another, like, we just talked about him because we want him on the team. But Tyler Sagan really is that guy that, you know, can change a whole entire game just by hitting the ice. But, uh, you know, the problem, the problem is just it's always been defensive. It's always been, you know, goaltending. But now you have Ben Bishop, right? Like, yeah, you just signed Ben Bishop to a, a big deal. And uh, he, he's, that, he's that good goalie. He, he showed Tampa Bay that he was that goalie before, uh, you know, losing the starting job. But, you know, it's just going to come down to if, like, the younger aspect of the team can really, like, hold it together. Those bottom lines can really hold it together behind Tyler Sagan, behind Jamie Benn. And even behind Jason Spezza. So, uh, you know, it's going to really – you're really going to see it. Hopefully, you know, Alexander Rudolov's contract doesn't bite them in the ass. Uh, yeah, Zach, for me, what do you think about the Dallas yeah, Stars? For, for me, Dallas, they're going to be solid on defense uh, this year. John Klingberg is their number one. He's a very good uh, offensive defenseman, but he is responsible on his own end. Um, Roman Polak, Mark Massat, uh, two guy, two veteran guys that are going to be defense first and kind of stable uh, the blue line for them. And then you have the, the young kids, Julius Honka and Miro Heiskanen, who are, you know, Honka's still coming into his own. He just uh, came over to the NHL, I believe, last season he was a rookie. Um, and Heiskanen if he makes the team, would be his first season. This year, and all the talk about him is, has been very positive. My thing with Dallas, um, Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin are listed as their two goaltenders. Um, number one, there's a huge drop-off, and I'm not talking about just height, between Bishop and Hudobin. Those two guys are very different talent-wise. Hudobin is a solid backup. Bishop is a you know, they say in baseball you could have a 4A player um, or a major leaguer, where the 4A players, like the borderline, could be here, could be there. Ben Bishop, to me, was always like he kind of relied on his size and his puck handling, but he was he did make a lot of mistakes. So if Ben Bishop can be solid, they'll be okay. And in terms of their offense, you know, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan. Uh, Alex Radulov, that's a very good top line. I just don't know how they're going to be able to sustain the scoring outside of that. They still have Jason Spetz, I believe, um, and he's he's still good at 35 years old. But um, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the roster now. Uh, Devin Shore, Remy Ellie, Blake Como, they just signed. Um, Valerie Nachushkin, there's not really a whole lot of um, offensive talent there. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they can, uh, you know, use what they have, so to say, and uh, have a successful season. Great. So um, I think the Stars will have a pretty good season, essentially. I think they're going to turn it around. So uh, prior to the show, uh, I assigned the guys a few teams – for them to talk about each, uh, I had three. The other, they uh, each took two and two as well. Uh, so my two teams, besides the Dallas Stars, were the Nashville Predators and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, to get started here with the Nashville Predators, uh, I mean, look, 
You have the uh, probably the best defense core in the entire league. Uh, you have a, a solid group of forwards who are just getting complimented by Eli Tolvin in this next season, who, for those who don't know, lit the KHL on fire last year with his great play. Uh, really young kid. I think that this is a team that could easily, easily make it back to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, they disappointed a bit last year. They ran into the buzzsaw. That was the Winnipeg Jets, who then ran into the buzzsaw. That was the Vegas Golden Knights. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, the Predators will – uh, have a really good year. I think it's very possible to get back to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and look, uh, they might not have had a first round pick this year, but at the end of the day, they're not a team that honestly needs it. Uh, look to look to Ryan Johansson to have another good season. Same with Victor Arvidsson. And look for Ellie Tolvanen to show what he's got after a full training camp under his belt. Uh, second team I had to discuss was the Winnipeg Jets, who took the Nashville Predators out of the playoffs. I do think that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be a huge Stanley Cup contender this year. I think out of the West, it will be one of them or the Predators representing in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I don't think we're going to see another crazy run like that from the Vegas Golden Knights to stop one of them from making it to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you got Blake Wheeler. You got Patrick Lyon. You got Nikolai Ehlers. You got Christian Veselainen coming on his entry-level deal. Brian Little, Mark Scheifele. The list just seems to go on with the Winnipeg Jets and this talent that they've acquired over the past several seasons. Uh, leading them to a 2019 Cup final berth, which I think could easily, easily happen with the skill and talent that that team has on display. Um, looked for, I guess, if I could pick one guy to have a crazy year, I guess looked for Patrick Lyonet to win his first Rocket Richard in his uh, in the beginning of his career. I think that guy is going to take the goal scoring title away from Alexander Ovechkin this year. Uh, he's his shot might already be the best in the league in terms of release and power. So uh, look for Patrick Lyonet to start asserting his dominance in the goal scoring category uh, this next season. Kevin, you were assigned two teams as well. Who are your two teams? And let's hear about them. Well, I got the Blackhawks and the Avalanche. Let's talk about this fall from grace, Chicago Blackhawks, shall we? They were the last in the central with only 76 points. What a disappointment of a team. Like, how do you, like, they almost had a dynasty for winning so many Stanley Cups a couple of years ago, and now they couldn't even get out of their own way. The biggest concern is just the health of the team and their secondary scoring. You can't have one guy score for you. You can't just have Patrick Kane do all the work. The closest guy was Alex Dabrinkit with 52 points, and that wasn't even close. It was nothing. Uh, the biggest thing, another big thing was Crawford just missing 47 games, and this is why you bring in Cam Ward. Even though he's not as good as Crawford, you still need a starting goalie because Crawford is so injury-prone, he might as well have a stretcher right next to the ice because they're going to take him off immediately. Taze, to- to- 52 points, man. Come on, you're getting paid $10 million a year. You can't put up numbers like that. And I wanted to just bring this back up. If That's always the concern with signing these guys to 10 years, you know, 8- to 10-year contracts. They, if they start to suck, they're going to really bite you in the ass for that. And that's why Tyler Sagan giving him 10 years, or Timothy Panarin giving him 10 years for the Rangers still scares me, even though their talent is just boundless. You know, you can make a mistake like that and have two guys on the team eating up $20 million of your cap, which is happening with the Blackhawks. They can't even get any good free agents. Uh, I don't know. One of the biggest things is why did you trade Panarin for Saad? Like, did you want to go back to like what it used to be? It's not going to go back to the way it used to be. Panarin is Panarin's deal is making look like the Blackhawks are just idiots. They might as well just be the Edmonton Oilers for making that kind of deal. And if the Brinkat can't produce like he did this year or even higher than this year, they're gonna have a huge trouble. 
they drafted Adam Boquist in the first round, which I thought was fantastic. They need defense desperately because Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith are going to stop playing soon. So uh, one of the guys that I kind of look for to, you know, for them to draft, and I think they're going to probably get around the same pick this year, like 10 to maybe 12, is um, Kirby Doc. He's a power center. He plays all 200 feet of the game. He's that center that they need when Taze and Kane eventually either leave or retire. So that's a good, good guy to go looking for right now. And uh, let's, let's, let's hear from Zach. I want to hear his team before I go on the Colorado. So I had the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. So let's start with uh, the state of hockey. So last year, uh, the Wild finished uh, in the playoffs, but got knocked out in the first round for the third consecutive year. Uh, finishing the season with 101 points. So a solid season for them, but they decided to make a regime change and uh, brought in a new GM in Paul Fenton. Um, In terms of, as you mentioned, Kevin, uh, big contracts across the league, um, Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, both guys who are getting older, uh, both players are on a seven and a half million uh, AAV, not not AV as in Elaine Vigneault, AAV, <laughs> value, um, through the 24-25 season. So, you know, Ryan Suter, uh, I believe, is their captain. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's still a solid defenseman, but they're going to have to start looking uh, towards uh, fresher blood. Um, on the blue line, Matt Dumba's a really good player for them that I really like. Uh, he's got a great shot from the point on the power play. Um, the biggest question mark for them coming into the season for me is what are they going to get from Eric Stahl, former New York Ranger, uh, short-lived but uh, and unsuccessful. But, you know, for Eric Stahl last season, he had a uh, throwback year. He produced a ton of points for them. He's still getting older. Uh, I believe he's two years older than uh, Mark, so he's in his late 30s, uh, mid to late 30s. So how will he be able to, uh, number one, keep up with all the young guys that are playing with him, but also is he still going to be able to put up the 30-plus goals and uh, however many assists that he had um, at the end of last season? Um in the draft, they, the first-round pick, they took Philip Johansson, a uh, defenseman from Leskans in Sweden, um, ranked 10th by Central Scouting among the Europeans. Uh, the Wild front office guy, Brent Flair, or Flair, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, he said he's a smart D-man, good mobility, uh, can move the puck well, and plays with a lot of poise. So... Again, as I mentioned before with Ryan Suter, you're talking about bringing in a young blood, uh, a puck-moving defenseman uh, who stays calm under pressure um, is something that the Wild are going to need as Suter uh, inches closer to retirement. The other thing for the Wild is David Dumnik is is still a very good goalie, and he will steal some games uh, for them. The question is going to be, though, how are the... Uh, how is the uh, forwards, or I'm sorry, how are the forwards going to be able to supplement the scoring from Eric Stahl and Parisi and uh, Miku Koivu, if he's still there, um, and Jason Zucker, 
because uh, a lot of the, a lot of the team is a little front loaded for me, um, and you know they lost Eric Howa to the Knights last season, uh, and they lost Alex Tuck to the Knights last season. So two guys that were solid contributors for them. So they're going to have to build that back up to uh, make a deeper run in the playoffs than they have in recent years. Kevin, your second team was? The exact opposite of the Blackhawks, the Colorado Avalanche. They had 48 points two years ago, and then they almost doubled it to 95. No, yeah, they almost, they almost they pretty much doubled it to 95 points. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. They went 43-30-9. They had some really tight games down the stretch, and they won their last game to make it to the playoffs. Unfortunately, they lost to the Predators, even though they went six games with them. So it really goes to show that they were prepared to keep going, even though no one was stopping the Vegas Golden Knights. They were on a mission. Uh, some of the not- like most notable additions that they got was uh, Philip Grubauer, uh, Ian Cole, and Matt Calvert. They lost Jonathan Bernier, and uh, one of the biggest people they lost was Blake Como. And I guess now Yakupov to a certain extent. But, you know, they brought in Grubauer to, you know, challenge Barlamov. He's he just like Corey Crawford. He gets hurt a, a substantial amount. So if Phil Grubauer can have a solid season like he did for Washington, they might actually make him the number one guy. Obviously, he's not out of camp. I don't see anyone taking that job from, from Barlamov right away. But, you know, he – that's, there's a good possibility that he's not in goal come the end of the season. Uh, another concern that I've, I've I've seen is what's the deal with the the second center position. Obviously, the first line is the first. Line. Who's going to challenge Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog? Nobody. They're, they're, no one's touching that first line. Um, so Tyson Yoist or Alex Kerfoot at the second center position. They both played well last year. Um, it's really going to probably come down to who fits better with what line mates. And it just might be a continuous rotation with them. Um, will they make the playoffs? It's a hit or miss. Just like this past year, they didn't really lose a lot of people, but they didn't really, you know, they kind of gained it back. Ian Cole came in to really shore up that defense, which, you know, was a problem in the playoffs a little bit. Um, they're going to miss it, though, because I think the Blackhawks are going to improve a little bit. The Blues have improved, improved their, their play a little bit over this offseason. Um and now people aren't going to sleep on them. Obviously, 48 points last year, you're going to play your backup goalie against the Colorado Avalanche. You're going to play, you know, other guys in high-pressure minutes against the Colorado Avalanche. And they really jumped on people like the Vegas Golden Knights did. So uh, they're, might, they're not going to surprise anybody. And they might just be middle of a pack again like they, they used to be. But uh, I can – hey, who knows? They might come back with a strong fire up their asses and be like, hey, we're making the playoffs again, and they're going to make the playoffs. Because nothing's really changing on their depth. Um – Another thing, it's like Ian Cole really has a lot of that pressure now. Um, their coaching staff, you know, might have a little bit more pressure again. Um, they might probably trade for another defenseman come the, the, the trade deadline if they're, if they're in that position. Um, and the most interesting thing about this coming draft is, can you guys guess whose pick they have for the 2019 draft? Oh, they have, they have the pick that every team in the NHL desires this year, in my opinion. Uh, because of the Matthew Shane trade, the Colorado Avalanche get the Ottawa Senators pick at the exactly. end of this season. So and basically, that's a huge chance to get Jack, Jack Hughes. Hughes. If I was Pierre so, Dorian, I'm going to be so honest. I would have given them number four this year because, oh boy, mm-hmm. 
Are the Ottawa Senators going to be bad this year? And if that, if the lottery uh, balls turn so up, bad. that the Ottawa Senators get the number one overall pick, Joe Sackick says, thank you. And now Nathan McKinnon and Jack Hughes get to dominate for that team for the next decade. And then you don't have any problems at the second center position. Nope, you don't. <laughs> so, well, I did do research on the second pick. You know, if they do end up in the middle of the pack again, like pick 15 to 19, I think they're going to go for this guy. Uh, oh, he's right here. I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me. Um, where is he? Miko, it, it's Kokanen. Kokanen. Yes, yeah, I already knew who you were talking about. Uh, Drew, <laughs> Drew Hellison, one of those two defensemen. Look, they have a lot of scoring. Their defense was a problem last year. Obviously, they're not going to help right away, but to shore up that defense prospect pool, I really think it's going to be one of these two guys if they even make it that far. Obviously, this is preliminary draft. This is a year from now, so we really don't know who's going to be in what position or what teams are going to need. They don't know who you're going to trade. But I think it's one of those two defensemen. And, uh, hey, maybe the Avalanche will surprise us all and really make it past the first round this year. Zach, your second team was? My second and final team of the Central Division was the aforementioned St. Louis Blues. Um, The Blues suffered a fate that Rangers fans know all too well in missing the playoffs by one point, uh, which uh, Rangers fans will remember uh, losing in the shootout to the Philadelphia Flyers uh, a few years ago um, in the, on the last day of the season. Blues made some uh, big moves in the offseason. They acquired Ryan O'Reilly uh, from the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they acquired Tyler Bozak. Uh, David Perron is coming back for another tour of duty with the Blues. Patrick Maroon is coming home to St. Louis. And uh, former Rangers backup netminder Chad Johnson uh, will be Jake Allen's backup. Um, Carter Hutton, who backed up the team last year, was in the O'Reilly trade for Buffalo. Um, So the question for the Blues, uh, speaking of goaltending, is will Jake Allen put it all together this season? Um, He broke out onto the NHL scene a couple of years ago, um, playing really well, but he hasn't been able to put it together for a full season, uh, either being injured or just playing poorly when the team needed him. Um, So this is Jake Allen's kind of make-or-break season. Um, I'm not sure about his contract if uh, it actually is his last season under contract, although I am looking it up as we speak. Um, but that is is the big concern for the Blues. Um, obviously, they still have Vladimir Tarasenko on the wing, and he will be uh, he will most likely be their top point scorer. Um, and with all these moves, they are now extremely deep at center. Um, Ryan O'Reilly wins over fifty percent of his draws, as we mentioned. Um, how important that was in the Sagan and Panarin debate. Uh, Tyler Bozak, as well, is a very solid, uh, defensively strong um, center for the middle six, uh, we'll say, for the second or third line. Um, And, you know, they still have Braden Chen from last season, who, again, another solid second or third line center. So uh, that's that for the Blues currently. Uh, For the Blues for the future, they drafted Dominic Bach. Uh, in the first round this year from 
I believe it's pronounced Voxio, Lakers, mm-hmm. Sweden, um, 12th ranked in central scouting, so two spots behind uh, the Wilds pick of Philip Johansson. Um, Bach is a forward, uh, an elite prospect, says of him that he's highly talented, uh, one-on-one, with quick hands, creative passing, and has a quick shot. So the Blues found another winger, um, potentially this season, but I don't believe he's going to be with uh, the club in North America at any level this season. I believe he's still uh, in the SHL, but they appear to have found another guy to complement Tarasenko on the wing who should be able to impress with uh, his playmaking ability. Um, We also had Tarasenko's playmaking ability at the Garden a couple of years ago when he danced through... uh, all five Rangers and the goalie uh, for a gorgeous Forsberg finish uh, from after coming in from the blue line. So, you know, the Blues, in terms of, you know, prediction, they didn't get worse, but they did give up a lot to get Ryan O'Reilly. So the, the real question for me will be, how are they going to put the pieces back together? Uh, Mike Yo, I believe, is still their coach. Um, I, I really liked him when he, And I really liked him when he was in Minnesota. I thought his teams always had a good work ethic, something which, uh, as a coach myself, uh, as a youth coach myself, I always try to, you know, get my players to to have. Um, So if the Blues can put it all together and take that work ethic and put it into uh, into something positive, I do think they'll make the playoffs. I don't see them winning the division, um, especially with Winnipeg and Nashville there. But I can see them being either the third central team or being one of the wildcard teams in that division. Now that we've covered the central division, let's pick our picks for who will take the central division crown. This is honestly, for me, it's a toss-up between two. It's either going to be the Nashville Predators or the Winnipeg Jets. And I think this is the year the Winnipeg Jets uh, fully take on the league and they will end up with the central division crown. And I also think the Winnipeg jets are going to win the president's trophy this year. I think they're too good. I think they're too deep. I think they're every position they're set for years to come. And I think uh, they'll win the division, the president's trophy, and they will end up winning the Stanley cup this season. Kevin, what do you think? Well, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Obviously it's going to be between Nashville and Winnipeg. Winnipeg definitely deserved a lot more. This past season, they're definitely going to make. They're going to have a lot more points. I don't know if they're going to win the President's Trophy out of the whole, out of the whole, you know, league. But they're definitely going to make a strong case for it. They're definitely going to. I don't know if they're going to get, you know, over 110 points. I think this was just a fluky season where a lot of bad teams were a lot worse than we expected them to be. Um, I could see them getting maybe 109, maybe 110, uh, and being at the top, close to the President's Trophy. Um, but pretty much it's going to be the same as last year. It's going to be Winnipeg, Nashville, and maybe even St. Louis or Colorado to challenge that third spot in the wild card. So we'll see. It's a tough division. And Zach, who takes the central division crown this year? Well, before I even get to that, Kevin said 1010, and I just wanted to point that out. I'm sorry, 110. Um, but, yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I, I, I think that it's between Winnipeg and Nashville. 
Um, you know, if we look at them, you know, side by side, Pecorino, Connor Hellebuck, Zach, two of the are you best goals. You don't hear me? Oh, no, now we do. Yeah, you not hear yeah, me? Okay. Hear I didn't hear him really quickly. So okay. go ahead. Yeah. Um, so you know, if we look at it quickly side by side, Pecorino, Connor Hellebuck, two of the best goalies in the league. Um, you're not. It's really a toss up between the two of them. Um, Hellebuck's still young, but uh, Rene is aging, and and he didn't have a great postseason, um, which ultimately helped Nashville not get past the uh, second round of the playoffs. Um, you know, defense. The Predators have the best core in the league, as we mentioned before. But Winnipeg is no slouch in that department. They have a very solid top four, led by Big Buff uh, and Jacob Truba. And the forwards, you know, both are kind of even. So I'm going to say Winnipeg as well. I don't see them pulling off the President's Trophy-Stanley Cup combo uh, that hasn't been done since the Rangers in 94. But I do think they have a very good chance of getting to the Cup and winning the Cup. Um, You know, but I I do think it's Winnipeg-Nashville 1-2. I do think it's Winnipeg winning the conference in the end. Um but I, I don't see them, you know, doing everything this season uh, as Russell is so hoping for. <laughs> well, we'll see. They're a very fun team to watch. The Central is basically, as they say, the Wild West. There's so many things going to happen. Uh, but ultimately, I think it will be decided, as we said, between Nashville and Winnipeg. And a bit of breaking news before we close out here, something I feel is very relatable to what we talked about just in the beginning of the show THN's own Ken Campbell, who we had on the show recently, just tweeted out that I just got off the phone with Dallas Stars GM Jim Nill, who steadfastly refuses to publicly comment on the Tyler Sagan contract situation, which is probably the best course of action for him at this point. So let the speculation continue to run wild. Uh, Tyler Sagan, uh, who we've sung his praises this show, uh, situation could get a little hairy. I ultimately do think he will resign with the Dallas Stars uh, before this is all over, but you never know now, do you? Um, before we go, uh, next week's show, we will have our uh, – we're shipped into the Eastern Conference, and we will have our Atlantic Division preview uh, next week. Where do we rank the Leafs? Where are we going to put the up-and-coming Buffalo Sabres? And, God, the Detroit Red Wings need to get out from some bad, bad contract. Because, believe it or not, they have the highest salary level in the league. They are at the cap ceiling. How? Really bad contracts. Uh uh, so next week we will be doing our Atlantic Division preview, followed by the week after with the Metropolitan. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. As always, you can follow us at uh, 4B Radio, 4B underscore Radio. Follow us at Forever Blue Shirts. You can follow me at Russell Hartman One. You can follow Kevin at Space Earthbender. That's one E between space and Earth. And you can follow Zach Thank at you. Zach 4B. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. And uh, as always, let's go Rangers.
Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namaga Madoff versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group.